Amen. Well, I got the privilege of uh, trying out a wireless mic, so I'm a little nervous because I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> so I, I, I get pumped. My name is Forrest Quillen. Um, I have an awesome privilege of being involved, uh, being involved with a, a ministry here in the community called Chad's Hope. About eight years ago, I went through Chad's Hope. I was struggling with addictions and things happened. I got radically set free by God, began to give my life to Him and to serve Him. And he's allowed me to stay here in this community. Um, Donald Sims, uh, the former pastor here at City of Hope, um, he allowed me to pursue him while I was at Chad's Hope. I initiated him as a church service one night and asked him if he would come and visit me, if he would be my pastor. And it's funny because like, you get a lot of guys in recovery programs that all just want you to come out and give you their time. But Donald came down and he started coming down every single month for me and it humbled me. And I appreciated it so much. And um, Donald became a very big influence in my life. I got connected with the church when I graduated. I started coming to church here. God moved in my life in a big way. I remember when Clay first came out to meet Donald here. And they had a conference in Donald's office. I actually walked in uh, because I was always showing up to talk to Donald and aggravate him. And I met Clay. And then me and Clay began to have a relationship and grow together and the process of uh, Clay becoming head pastor. So it is a great honor for me to be here and to be able to speak from this church. And what I've come to know through ministry is that churches, um, what happens with churches, a lot of the times you go to different churches and you can sense different attitudes from churches. Um, and I feel like maybe, you know, the face and, and the perspectives, but you get an attitude from churches, and it's very humbling for me to come to this church and be able to speak from these platforms. And, and I don't lust after platforms. I don't lust after the opportunities to speak. Um, you know what I mean? But it's, a, it's, it's an honor for me to be able to come here and speak from this platform because the attitude of this church and this ministry, I, I've sat under so many uh, different preachers and, and, and men of God, and, you know, and, and it's nothing to speak against them, but a lot of the times I feel like, you know, man of God will come to the door of truth and the house of truth and they'll kick the front door open and they'll tell you like you're going to get in there and you're going to eat that food and you're going to like it. And if you don't like it, then you can leave. You know what I mean? And, and Clay is a man of God under the Spirit of God. You know what I mean? Has a, has a great ability to be able to come to the front door and say, hold on a second, slip around to the back, work his way through the house and we're like, where is he going with this? And then all of a sudden the front door opens and we see it and he's like, come on in. Come on in and sit down. And it's like, wow, that was, that was pretty good right there. Huh? <laughs> and so to, to, be able, to be able to stand behind that attitude and to represent truths, even hard truths, in such of a way as Clay does um, is, is an honor. And I'm very thankful with that. I've been wrestling with this subject now probably for the past month. And when I say wrestling... I mean, deeply wrestling. Uh, we went through the season of prayer and fasting. This thing came up inside of me through examination. I began to wrestle with God, and all of a sudden, other doors of this same subject matter begin to open, and it's been just a wrestling match between me and the Lord uh, for the past couple months. And now I have the opportunity to kind of be able to relate that. And, and I want you to understand, um, talking about faith, faith. Our small groups have been talking about faith. It's been a subject matter, you know. Um, Rich leads uh, some some studies online on on uh, on the Bible apps and you know in the prayer groups on Saturday morning. And faith and faith and faith just continues to come up. And I, I went through a process um, through uh, January where I really begin to look at things and question things and try to find areas because I tell you, there's a lot of things that's been happening. You know, there's a lot of people in this church that have been suffering things that have lost loved ones that have been going through trials, that have been going through sicknesses, that we've been praying for miracles to happen and moving together in faith as a church. And the challenge of that has been hitting me where I'm examining my faith, I'm looking at my faith, and I'm trying to grow forward into it. And I've been asking God some questions like, God, what is the purpose of faith? Like Because to be honest with you, when you get in circumstances where you're trying to activate your faith, where you're trying to look at your faith, where you're trying to apply your faith to something, and you're, all of a sudden you feel cornered because of trials begin to happen all around you. Circumstances, the people that you love begin to suffer next to you, and you're trying to apply your faith to something, and you feel pressured. 
And what can happen is a lot of the times it goes into this place of what do I do with my faith? Where do I need to put it? Where do I need to focus it? What, what, like what is going on? So I've been in this wrestling match with God for the past two months just feeling pressured and cornered through trial trying to figure out how to apply my faith. So I want to walk through this and, and, the, and the, the name of this is called Limitless. Limitless. And um, faith, by faith, by faith we live, by faith we, we reflect the character of God, by faith we walk by faith, by faith we see, you know, all these things. And I, and I want to get into this just for a second and explain, you know, like this got personal to me on a level. And, and sometimes I'm working through things and they may not get personal, but you know, Matt and Megan were small group leaders that we were going through. I was actively pursuing a relationship with Matt, um, you know, when some things begin to happen. So for us, you know, especially us spending time with him on the weekends, us being close to him, him obviously being a part of the church, but then beyond that, being able to spend time with him, sit down, fellowship with his family, them opening the doors to us, and then, you know, something began to tragically happen. It didn't happen in my own home, but it was so close to me that it impacted me in a real way. And I began to see something unfold. And, and I'm already struggling with faith at this point in time. I'm examining my faith. But something bizarre happens that I'm not used to seeing in, inside the church. Matt and Megan go through one of the biggest trials of their life. And they open the door to the church. And they open the door to the people that love them. And they say, come in. Be with us. And it, it blew me away, like, to be honest with you, because I, I, I mean, I know me, like, when I'm struggling and I'm suffering and I got some serious things, I want to be at my house with the door shut, the windows closed, and I'm just trying to process this. Just, just leave me alone. I appreciate the phone calls, put the phones away, but I'm just trying to process this. And somehow I've seen this great example and this great witness of these two people that open the doors to their pain that opened the doors to confusion, that opened to the doors to the process of the season that they were going through and say, come and join us. And I begin to see things about faith. Because at first, at first my reaction, I remember I was actually over here at the church one night and I called Matt and, and, you know, and, and I'm talking to Matt, and, and Matt's going through this process, and I'm like, Matt, this is what we got to do, man. Like, we have got to push forward to this without doubting anything. Like, we have to make sure, like, we're going to fast. Like, man, we're going to do this. And we did those things. We fasted, we prayed, we pushed forward. But it was like I was trying to find a place to aim my faith. I was trying to find a place to apply my faith with him. You know what I mean? And his response to me was, man... I've just been on my face before God. I've just been on my face before God. And I'm like, yeah, that's good and all, but we have to, we gotta do something. You know what I mean? We gotta, we gotta do something. We gotta. And and all of a sudden, man, like I'm I'm wrestling with these things inside of myself and these questions that I'm having, and I'm trying to apply my face somewhere. And and the Lord begins to speak to me about the centerpiece of my faith. And the centerpiece of my faith and the centerpiece, the centerpiece of our faith is to know God. That's the very centerpiece of our faith is to know God. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And the thing is, like... You know, I got this quote by Donald Sims. You know, I told you I called him the other day, and I'm like, Donald, give me some quotes. Ramble some stuff off. He's like, what are you talking, are you talking about? But we, we begin to talk about faith, and this is, Donald Sims said, made this statement, and this is what, what Donald Sims says, and he says, um, True faith is not faith in an outcome, but faith in a person. It's not in our ability to have faith or the amount of faith that we have but the object and the direction of our faith by the great theologian D. Sims. You know what I'm saying? But, man, that really ministered to me like when he said that because that was the same type of struggle 
that I was going through because I'm thinking like when, when circumstances pressure me, where do I put my faith? And it's not always about having more faith. And it's not always about trying to convince your mind not to doubt. Like you're not going to doubt. Like you're going to believe this. At no point are you going to doubt this. But literally it has everything to do with the direction and the object of your faith. And, and I want you to understand what I'm not saying. Listen, this is, this is what I'm not saying. Because I, like a lot of the times like we have the ability to speak and all of a sudden people will start to get these things in the night. What I'm not saying is that you should not believe and pursue after miracles. And what I'm not saying is whether you have faith or not, that it doesn't determine an outcome. Because I believe that believing in something... You know what I mean? Like, it can affect outcomes. But, it's not about working our faith up, but it's about pointing our faith in the right direction. It's not about working our faith up, but it's about pointing our faith in the right direction. You know, like uh, me and Clay were talking before church, and like a lot of the times we can get caught up into this season where it's like, you know, like we're going we're gonna to exercise our faith by name it. We're going to believe in this. We're going to speak over this, and, and we're going to do this. And, and, and it's like we're trying to build our faith up to a place that we get what we want based upon our ability to, to have faith in it without doubting. And we're going to push doubt out, and we're going to build our faith up, and we're going to name this, and we're going to believe in this. And the thing is that it, it's... The purpose of faith is not to build it up in such of a way that you just get what you want. It's literally designed. I was talking to man actually called him yesterday. I was talking about this, and the Lord showed me this. He showed me a bullseye. Now I want you to see this. He showed me a bullseye, and the layers of the bullseye like an archery, and at the centerpiece of that bullseye is Jesus Christ, is knowing God. And then these layers begin to move out. Miracles, peace, joy, salvation, all these, all these things from the centerpiece. But the thing is, when you're, when you're trying to apply your faith, this is the picture of faith. And when you aim at this, this faith, you should always be aiming for the bullseye. Amen. You should always be aiming for the bullseye. And sometimes when we shoot, we may not, all of a sudden we hit a miracle. Sometimes when we shoot, all of a sudden we hit peace. Sometimes when we shoot, but when we're aiming at that bullseye, when we let go, God will give us what we need. That is good. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> So I want to get into a couple things and, and, and walk together. And, and the first thing that I want to talk about is God's desire and God's design in expanding our faith. And, and I want to talk about Moses for just a second. So let's get into Numbers 11, 21 through 23. And let's see kind of what the Lord's saying to Moses right here. And it says, And Moses said, The people whom I are among, whom I are among, you guys look over my... The people who I am among are 600,000 men on foot. Yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Shall flocks or herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? Or shall the fishes of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. Sometimes as believers and as Christians and as things, it's like when God speaks to us or God impresses us or we see the promises of God, sometimes we have the ability to limit God. Even the greatest man in the Bible, when I begin to read the Bible, and God specifically says something, and this ain't just something that they're believing for or pursuing after or contending with God with. God's like, I'm going to do this. And they're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even if you was to give them all the fish of the sea. But the Lord's saying, listen, don't limit me before my people. Moses, don't limit me. Before my people. And us, 
As believers, us as sons and daughters of God are representing a limitless Father before the world. And I've been in things time and time again where I'm walking it out and it's easy for me to see those miracles out there and believe and bless God and praise God and amen and all of a sudden like I'm in, I'm in, I'm in charge of a recovery ministry where I've experienced deliverance and miracles in my life. I've stopped smoking, I've stopped dipping, I've stopped shooting up, I've stopped looking at pornography, I've stopped radically delivered by God and then all of a sudden when it comes to do with my dad that's 50, you know, 54 years old that I've known my whole life that I've seen the horrible things and it's like well can God do the same thing I don't know I don't know now like I can see it for these people that I don't know intimately that I haven't lived my whole life with bless God God can restore you but like it has an ability whenever our faith is limited before God how we treat people how we represent God to those people because I can be frustrated with my dad and I can begin to limit the hand of God in his life and be like, Dad, you've done this over your whole life. My goodness, look at you. Blah, 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 blah. And begin to represent something because I have lack of faith in my God. Not speaking faith over him. Not representing the hand of God that is strong and mighty to save. But I can begin to shorten the arm of God. I don't want to limit my God. I don't want to represent him as a limited God. Like, my God is able to do abundantly, exceedingly more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. I remember the first time that my dad came to Chad's Hope, and he went through the recovery program, and he stayed there nine months. And I'm talking about, man, I seen a different man at the end of it. We were working in ministry together. All of a sudden, I was praising God because of these miracles that were happening in my life. And then two months later, he was back in the street doing drugs again. Talking about getting frustrated like he had his chance and he blew it. Now what? All of a sudden my natural mind's like, now he's screwed. (laughs) Basically he chose hell. But something had to kick back up inside of me that says, no, God's not done yet. No, God, that's not as short as God's arm is. He's bigger than that. He can continue to contend with this. He can go further. He can press forward. My God is greater. And next thing you know, I'm starting to see the work of God in my dad's life again. He's just coming back to the program again. He's doing these things, and I have a different mindset now. Whether he goes out there and makes it or not, does it determine whether I'm not going to believe or not that God can do what he needs to do in his life? So God's at this place... That I see, you know, uh, Psalm 78, verse 41. It says this, it says, Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. I'm not trying to be somebody that has a sour attitude as a Christian that sees circumstances going on around me and when I feel pressured or uncomfortable, I just begin to complain and grumble because I cannot see the strong hand of my God. All of a sudden I'm representing a limited God. And you see that through the story of Israel. Israel, as they're walking through the wilderness, every challenge that they come up against, it's like they can't even see God in it. And immediately they start grumbling, they start complaining, they start reverting to their natural carnal mindset. And it's like God's hand is limited according to their faith in Him. Even though He separated the sea right in front of their eyes. Even though he did the miracles in, in Egypt right in front of their eyes as they're continuing to walk forward and be tried and challenged, they can't see the strong arm of God. They're not relying upon God. They're not relying upon a limitless God that is able to do. So we are representatives of a limitless God. Listen, it takes wisdom to steward the representation of limitless. It's when, when we understand that God is able to do abundantly, exceedingly more, and, and God has a hand, there is also a discernment of spirit that comes with that. Because I've seen people, like I said, come in and they kick that door. Oh, bless God, God is able to do. You're just not believing. My God is out. No, listen, you got to use wisdom in representing the limitless of God. God is able to do. 
We do believe that the heart of God is aimed towards healing, aimed towards bringing deliverance. We know that without a doubt that God's desire is to deliver you from sin. It's, it's leaving. You know what I mean? Like that's His will if you want to press into that. But, but there's things when we represent the hand of God, how we represent that hand to people. In love and grace and in truth. That we are representatives of a limitless God. Us, Christians, sons and daughters, are representatives of a limitless God. And we have to use wisdom on how to demonstrate the hand of God to people around us. All things are possible to who? To those who believe. When you talk about Abraham, the father of faith... Genesis 17, 15-19, and it said, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yeah, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother to nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and that shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for everlasting covenant. Listen, if you look at this context, Abraham, Abraham Here's this promise of God, and Abraham does what the natural man will do. Because to be honest with you, when somebody's telling you you're going to have a child and you're 100 years old, it's easier for the natural carnal man to say, look, that's awesome and stuff, but just, help, just do this thing over here that I can understand, that I can figure out with my own understanding, that I don't have to put any of that stuff into and just work this out over here and I'm good. And God says, no, I am going to expand your faith. God was pushing Abraham, this is, this, God was pushing Abraham past where he was comfortable to settle in his understanding to a surpassing knowledge of knowing him as God. And a lot of the times we can be in our life, and listen, it's, it's very easy to settle for what we can understand. And to be honest with you, whether God's speaking promises to us or not, and whether He knows He's God or not, it's like we can always just revert back to what's natural and comfortable. Like my natural man can comprehend this. This is what I like. <laughs> Don't push me past that, okay? <laughs> but God has taken His children to a place. He's taken us to a place as a church. He's taken us to a place as his sons and his daughters where he is pushing us, encouraging us, challenging us to expand past the natural place of understanding, which, you know, when you talk about natural, like Clay said, everything's natural to God. But for us humans, we have created a place of natural and comfort. By our own ability, by our own understanding, it becomes natural and it becomes okay with us. But if it surpasses that natural place to where it gets a little funky and a little weird and you're starting to tell me that I'm going to have a child at 100 years old, I'm good. You know what? I'm good. Just let me, just let me, let me have this, this thing over here that I can comprehend that I don't have to be challenged. That I don't have to go through this process. And God is leading us and encouraging us to move forward and expanding our faith. Amen. And the thing is, the surpassing knowledge is to know Him as God. Their surpassing knowledge is to know Him as God. When you can't rely on yourself, when you can't rely on your own understanding, when you can't rely on what's comfortable... And you have to enter into a place that surpasses you into a place that you have to be dependent upon God. It is easy to become uncomfortable with some of the promises, requests, commandments, and even some of the gifts of God. I mean, 
and get into this and talk about this all day, like, man, people get uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, it's uncomfortable. We, we grow in traditions. We grow in different areas of faith. We have different personalities. We have different things. And all of a sudden, you know what I mean? You step into a church and you get uncomfortable, like, in different areas. And like Justin was saying this morning, God cares about the posture of your heart. You know what I mean? But at the same time, there's things that surpasses our uncomfortability. You know, just the simplicity of being able to raise your hands unto God. Man, that is uncomfortable. I literally remember the first time I did that, I about started pouring a sweat down my head. Like, no, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. <laughs> and I'm pushing through the thoughts in my head. Like, I don't care who's looking at me. You know? <laughs> but it's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. You got things that you start going into the gifts of the Spirit. And I know many, many people that are okay with God healing people. They're okay with God healing people. Like, God, well, I believe that God's a healer. But the moment that you start mentioning tongues and interpretation of tongues and some other stuff, it's like, I don't even believe that exists anymore. It's like, how do you not believe that exists anymore, but yet you believe that God can heal somebody? Like, if you believe the gifts are gone, then they're all gone. You know what I mean? But like, but... It's an uncomfortable thing. I, I remember praying in to God and, and asking God for, for, for baptism of the Holy Spirit when I learned to, to, to pray and ask God about it. And these people were teaching me about it. So I, I began to contend with God for months, fasting, praying. And I remember the first time it happened, it weirded me out. I literally, as soon as it happened, I got my jacket and I walked out of the church. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. And then I started praying in secret so nobody else was around, and I began to exercise this prayer language. Nobody else could hear me. Nobody else was around. And I remember that I would hear these people speak up in church, and man, it would make me uncomfortable every time that somebody would speak up in tongues. I would immediately get uncomfortable. And then I begin to go before God, and I'm like, you know what? It's in your word. You said it's there. Like, help me to stop closing you out. And matter of fact, not only that, but if you want to use me to do it, help me to be willing to do that. And man, you're talking about uncomfortable. I remember one day I thought he was about to do it to me and my heart was beating out my chest. And I'm like, oh my God, please don't do this to me right now. <laughs> but it's, it's opening myself unto God. Past my levels of comfort of what I like naturally as a man, and I'm okay if things can just stay in my reach of, of what I'm comfortable with. And opening myself to a surpassing knowledge of knowing Him in deeper ways. Because I'm telling you, there's been times that, that even though it was uncomfortable being when I first began to, to pray in a prayer language in my closet... There's been many a times that I didn't know what to pray and I would go to pray before God and I just wouldn't have nothing and then I would begin to allow that prayer language to come out of me and I would feel the presence of God begin to rest upon me and the Holy Spirit begin to minister to me and I would begin to see things with my mind and pray into things that was very powerful. But if I would never have took a step past what I was comfortable with, and what kind of weirded me out and began to open myself to God to a surpassing knowledge where I was relying upon Him to do things in my life. Romans 4.20 says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God. And this is the thing about Abraham. It was like... Even though he was uncomfortable, he didn't waver concerning the promises of God. But he grew strong in his faith. And he gave glory to God. The limits that I put on what I hear and what I see about God should not be based upon whether or not it makes me feel uncomfortable. Man, I read stuff in the Bible all the time that makes me uncomfortable. I'm trying to tell you, like, whenever they're in Sodom and Gomorrah and they're saying, hey, bring him man out to us, and this dude's like, take my daughters, like, dude, I get uncomfortable. Actually, I get mad. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I read stuff all the time that makes me uncomfortable. And if it was left up to me, I would take the majority of that stuff out. <laughs> so we shouldn't base 
truth, we shouldn't, we shouldn't base what we allow in on whether or not it makes us comfortable or uncomfortable. Human reasoning and feelings, Charles Stanley said, are the top two obstacles to our faith. Human reasoning and feelings are the top two obstacles that contend with our faith. Can you listen to this? Can you can you imagine like and, and sometimes people get mad at stuff like and you know like I'm not gonna lie, I was I've been those people before too. Like I'll be watching stuff and at first I'm uncomfortable, but then I'm watching stuff and then I begin to identify out of everything that's going on, like one or two things that I know ain't God, and then I just get mad. And I'm like, you know what? I know that ain't the Lord right there. But you know, the thing is a lot of the times when you see people contending with faith or you see things begin to happen. You see people getting upset. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine the crowd? Jesus is standing here speaking, and you got like these are men and women of God that are coming to Jesus to hear his words. You got believers here, and all of a sudden you see these people, these peasants running up on this rooftop, and they're beginning to rip the roof off of this house. Bless the Lord. <laughs> you know, I'm getting upset. Who do these people think that they are? You know what I mean? I'm trying to hear this man speak and they're up here doing this stuff. And, and if we're not careful, listen, God can be moving in a way that's unidentified to what we see and think or that's natural to us and it can aggravate us. It can aggravate us. Imagine being in the crowd that's pressing against Jesus and in those times if you're unclean, you shouldn't even be coming near me. You shouldn't even be getting around me. And all of a sudden Jesus stops and says, this woman is unclean. Well, that, that woman that just touched me, <laughs> that woman that just come to the crowd, like, what are you even doing here? You got, a, you got the crowd going by a man and he starts screaming, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. And they say, shut up. Shh. Shh. You're aggravating him. You're aggravating us. He's, he's doing his thing. He'd... And if we're not careful, sometimes God begins to move in some ways that can aggravate us. Make us uncomfortable. We, we, I don't know. We don't like that. But man, faith does something inside of people. When they believe that Jesus can do it, sometimes it excites them a little much for me. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes people get excited. And to be honest with you, I really don't like it. Like my comfort level is about right here. When somebody gets a little bit up there, I'm starting like, okay, I'm about like, man, I hope he stops soon. You know, I don't want people to freak out. <laughs> Uncomfort, man. Like, Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Listen, the second thing that I want to talk about is examining. I went through this season of examination. And focus and priority are important when it comes to faith. The line of priority, for example, this is the thing. The line of priority, like this is a common thing when you get into ministry. The line of priority, you got God... You got family and you got ministry. I cannot tell you how many times I've messed that thing up. And they're all good. But I tell you this when the line of priority gets twisted, then things become dysfunctional and unhealthy. And we can begin to suffer consequences from those things. And the reason that I'm saying that is this is when priorities get mixed up and good things, we can suffer loss or experience unhealthy consequences. But listen, I want to go somewhere with this concerning our faith. Because I believe that when you begin to direct your aim towards faith, there's priorities that come within our faith. There's priorities, I believe, that are demonstrated in the Scriptures with Jesus Christ. And if you begin to mix those priorities up, it can become unhealthy about how you aim and how you pursue. And I want to begin to talk about some of those things. And we'll start in Luke 10, 20. It says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, 
but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now you got the disciples, they just went out, Jesus breathed upon them, they went out preaching the gospels, they were healing people, they were casting demons out, and they come back to Jesus, and they're all excited, and they're rejoicing, and they're saying, Lord, you know, like, look at what we did, we have power and dominion over demons, and Jesus says, hold up, listen, I tell you not to rejoice over that, but I tell you to rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Because you see, with Jesus, there's some priorities here. It's not that you have an authority over demons is bad. That's not a bad thing. It's not you having that ability to cast out of demons of people that are suffering is bad. But Jesus says there's a line of priority that we need to focus on. Because if you're not, care, if you're not careful, and if your sight and your gaze and your priority becomes upon the power that you have to do these things, it should never trump these eternal promises that God has established. So the eternal promises of God are priority over outcomes of circumstances. They allow peace to reign through seasons of war and suffering. This is the thing. There's nothing wrong with believing in a miracle. Nothing wrong with believing in a miracle. But if you're not careful and you don't have your priorities lined up and you know the eternal promises of God that are yes and amen, when you begin to pursue that miracle, if it becomes priority and that miracle doesn't happen, it's like all of a sudden God's failed me. God's failed me. Your priorities have to be lined up with the eternal promises of God. God, I know these are your promises. And I have peace in this. But I'm going to pursue you for this miracle. And whatever the outcome of my pursuit is, I still have peace because your eternal promises are yes and amen. It is good. But if you got your priorities mixed up, things can become unhealthy. If you start putting other priorities up here and switching things around, all of a sudden condemnation can kick in. Once you didn't get the miracle, it's like, well, maybe I didn't do what I needed to do, or maybe I should have fasted more. Maybe I should have, maybe there's something else that I could have done, or, or was it? And if you're not careful, all of a sudden, whenever you're pursuing the miracle and it doesn't show up, you don't have peace. You don't have peace. So when your priorities are right and you're focused and you're pursuing God and you're, and you're pursuing... When you have your priorities right and the eternal promises of God are priority, then you keep your peace. You keep your peace. Let's continue to walk through this a little bit. I don't even know where I'm at, how long I've been up here. Um, let me see where I'm at. I'm sorry, buds. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in having faith and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. There's a time going on right now that we got talks of wars and rumors of wars. I mean, there are war breaking out. Like, war is happening within our communities. you got all this stuff going on with sickness and people passing away and people dying. And to be honest with you, it's like there's a, there's a trial happening within America. Beyond all the wars and beyond all the sicknesses, there's other things being pressed and pushed around. And I'm telling you, if you're not careful, it's so easy to start looking at what's going around and all of a sudden your peace will leave you. And it's like, well, man, what happens if we get invaded? Or what happens if they begin to, what about my children? And what's, going to, what's coming before? Like, what, what is it going to look like in the next five years if this thing blows up? Like, I don't trust the leadership here. Like, what's about to happen? What's about, listen, the bullseye. Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. When we focus on Him, we keep our peace. No matter what's going on, no matter about the wars, no matter about the sicknesses, no matter about everything that's happening. Listen, when we focus on Jesus as men and women of God, we keep our peace. Amen. And the one thing that we need as we move forward in this is peace. Because I'm telling you, the moment that you lose your peace, 
your heart will melt with fear. The moment that you lose your peace, anxiety and fear and worry and different things will begin to consume you. The one thing that we need as we're moving forward in these times is peace. Peace. Not that we should not ask and seek, but we are not discouraged in the keeping of God's promises. All His promises are yes and amen. For the Lord is a shield. I love this verse, Psalms 8411. It just it encourages my soul. Listen, for the Lord is a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. Listen, no good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. Do you know how encouraging that word is? If that's the truth, if that word is the truth, that no good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. Do you know how much you can invest in that? If you don't have a wife right now, if you're struggling being single right now, walking through life and you're trying to figure this thing out, listen, no good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. If you're trying to seek things and maybe you don't have children right now and you're trying to work through things in this life and you have godly desires inside of you to exercise things, listen to me, no good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. I believe that God has good things. Now, sometimes things happen to us. Sometimes we don't get the things that we want. But I'm always able to go back to this verse. I'm always able to go back to this verse. Because whether or not it happens on my time, whether or not it happens the way I want it to or not, I'm always able to go back to this verse and know that God, my Father, is not going to hold and withhold. He's just waiting and he's back there and he's not giving it to me because I'm not doing... He's not going to withhold any good thing from me. He wants to give it. How much do you want to bless your children? I have a hard time. I come home, I buy my little girl a gift. I come home, she's being meaner than a rattlesnake and I still won't bless her. I got something out there. I want to give it to you. <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, like, I feel like the Father really wants to bless us. He doesn't want to withhold anything from us. But like Donald says all the time, you know, you're not going to put your three-year-old in the back of a brand new Dodge Viper. Because that's not healthy and that's not good. There can become a season and a time where it is good. And we have to be able to trust our Father and, and believe that He's not withholding anything from us. But He has a time and a place, and I can trust that. And I want it to be that. Because otherwise, it can get messy. That's right. Amen. Amen. The line of priority, Matthew 9. It says, And getting into the boat, He crossed over and came to His own city. And behold, there were some people who brought Him a paralytic, lying on a bed. And Jesus saw their faith and said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, He said to the paralytic, Rise up, take your bed, and go home. Now when we look at the priority of Jesus' hearts when He's stepping into this, what is it? It's not necessarily on the healing. When he steps in, he sees their faith and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And the people begin to grumble around and he said, So that you know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, I say to you, pick up your mat. He didn't say, So that you know that the Son of Man has authority to heal sick people. His priority was the eternal things of God. Amen. His priority was the eternal things of God. His heart as He's coming in and as He's looking. And it doesn't mean that He don't want to heal. It doesn't mean that that's not a priority to Him. It doesn't mean that He doesn't care about that. 
It means that there is a priority when coming to the Father, and His priority are the eternal promises of God. And you can see that represented through the life of Jesus and what He's doing and what He's bringing to the table. Psalms 103.7, I said here before a couple weeks ago, He made His ways known to Moses and His acts to the children of Israel. He made His ways known to Moses and His acts to the children of Israel. This is the thing. I, I don't want to seek Him. I remember Donald, he had this man living in his house from Africa and the man keep asking him for things and finally he looked at him and he said, do you want what's in my head? Do you want what's in my hands? Or do you want what's in my heart? And when you begin to walk forward, it's like, what are you aiming for? What's the priority that you're aiming for? Are you aiming for the hands? Are you aiming just for the acts? Are you aiming for the knowledge? Or do you want to know His ways? Do you want to know His heart? And this is the thing I'm telling you. Moses probably seen more acts than any of them. Moses seen more miracles than any of them. But he saw it His ways. He saw it His heart. Alright, we're going to pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. These things are all throughout Scripture. There's a line of priority when it comes to aiming your faith at something. You, you want to aim it to where you know that you're hitting the mark of priority, that you know that you're hitting the things in order. Because if you're stepping into something, you don't want to say, well, I'm going to put my family first, I'm going to put God second, and I'm going to put ministry third, and we're going to walk this out. They're all good. God's going to bless me. You want to know the priority of things, that you can be healthy, that you can flourish in it, that you can expand in it and continue to experience God. The second thing, real quick in my faith, and I want to share this with you, like the second thing in my faith when I'm talking about first priority but second focus, when I had to begin to look at my faith this past season, and I shared this at small group, I really began to come grieve because this is the thing, I believe that my God is a healer. I believe that my God is a healer. With I've experienced the healing of God run through my body and God heal me. The power of God run through my... I believe... but. But sometimes what I come to agree with in my head and what I live out in my faith are two different things. This is important to know. Listen to me. What you believe about God is not the reflection of what you agree with within your mind. It's the reflection of what you live out in your faith. I went through some things that I had to figure out that someone can agree that God exists, but they won't even come to God without faith. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. And I came into a season of my prayer and fasting that I'm looking at my faith and I'm seeing this area because these things are going on and I'm seeing these sick people that are coming around me and they're talking, man, I don't feel good today. And something hit me one day as I'm looking at my faith because my faith represents the character of God. My faith makes me an image bearer of the Father. My faith. And I come to realize one day that God is a healer and my faith was dead. I wasn't praying for people. I wasn't believing God to heal people. Even though I know He's a healer in my mind. I mean, I'm, I would fight for it. That He's a healer in my mind. I know it. But my faith, when it comes to representing what I believe in my mind, to begin to examine that before God. God, I agree with this in my mind, but I don't live it out. Help me. Help me to represent you as a healer. Help me to represent you as a healer to those around me. I remember I'm praying that I'm struggling with this, and the next day this dude walks in to the store up here. I'm talking to some people, and he's he comes in, and he's cussing, and and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, man, I've been to the doctors and they say I got pneumonia and blah, blah, blah. And they say that there's nothing wrong with me and I've had it for three weeks and it's not going away. And immediately my heart starts pounding because God starts to show me this is an opportunity for you to represent me as a healer. 
Lord, this dude may not even like you. I don't know. <laughs> but I stepped out and I said, hey, sir, do you care if I pray for you? And I'm telling you immediately, his whole perception's changed. And he was like, absolutely. Absolutely. And I was able to pray for him, you know, Lord Jesus. And I'm like, okay, God, you see what I just did right there? And he's like, that's good. That's good. But next time, I actually believe that I'm going to do it. <laughs> But I'm, I'm, I'm working this thing out of my faith where I'm examining my faith. I'm laying my faith out. The Bible says, examine yourself to see whether or not you are walking in the faith. And sometimes I have to lay my faith out to make sure with what I agree with in my mind is being lived out in my faith. I want to represent my Father well upon this earth. Now whether or not He heals or not, that's not up to me. I remember watching these videos with a, with a bunch of with a group of guys all the time when we would watch these videos and you would have people out there like Todd White and all these people out there praying for people and then they'd be like, man, I don't know. And, and the Lord spoke to me and He said, Forrest, it doesn't even matter if they're healed or not. That's not the point. The point is they're doing what I told them to do and they're believing it. They believe I'm a healer. They believe I'm a healer. They believe that I'm able to do it and they're out there praying for them people believing that I can. It's not up to them if they're healed or not. The point is, look at their faith. Don't miss it. Look at their faith. Man, I want to represent my Father. I want to be somebody that doesn't just agree with all the right things, but I want to be somebody that lives out what I know my Father is. Amen. Amen. Doers, not just hearers. Believers, not just agreeers. It is good. Hallelujah. <laughs> God wants to take the borders off our faith to pursue Him and to seek Him with our whole hearts. Let's pray into that today. Father God, we thank You, Lord, for calling us sons and daughters. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the measure of faith that you've given us. God, we pray as your people, Lord, that we can grow into knowing you, into experiencing you. Father, that you would help us, Lord, not to settle in what's natural and comfortable to us, God, but to pursue you with our whole heart. Father, we pray that you would help us to look and to see what we, what we agree with about you as being lived out in our life, God. And if it's not, Father, I pray that you would encourage us and inspire us by the Holy Spirit to take those steps that we can represent you to a lost world. God, we thank you, Father. Thank you for the power. Thank you, Father, that you're able to do within us according to the power that is at work within us abundantly, exceedingly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. God, this day we honor you. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. We just want to glorify you, Father, in Jesus' name.